Best Health with Dr. Chris Banning. This podcast will teach you how to get healthy and remain that way naturally. Well, hello. Thank you for joining us for this new episode of Your Best Health with Dr. Chris Banning. My name is Aaron. I'm the co-host with Dr. Banning, who's sitting right next to me. Dr. Banning, you doing okay? I'm doing wonderful. It's got a kind of an overcast day today here in beautiful White House, Tennessee. You know, I love our little small town. Do you? I really do. It's home. It's growing by leaps and bounds. It sure is. It's not so small anymore. But mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to be discussing muscles today. Muscles, and yes. We're, and we're not, not talking, the, yeah. we're not talking about the kind you get down at the beach. No. Or the kind you get down at the gym. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, you know, everybody thinks, you know, we're going to talk about the bicep muscle or maybe the glute muscle or the hamstrings, you know, like I pulled a hammy. But uh, um, what I'd like to do is just start maybe talking on this show with a mindset that, uh, you know, like say if we talk about the eye. Okay. Well, what would be a good eye? Just make, just talk about it as, as the eye was designed intelligently. Well, the eye is sunk into the head, mm-hmm. to the face and the skull. And so what does that do? Protects it. It protects it from d- debris. Yeah. Um, and so that's really important. And so then, uh, you know, uh, how do the eyes work? Well, they move, right? Sure. There's got to be muscles in there. Yeah. Right. Um, we got a lens in there, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So you can look at things close up or far away, right? Mm-hmm. If your lens is still flexible, um, when you get in your forties, the lens starts to become less flexible. Yes. And you become more, uh, your arms become too short when you read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a muscle called the ciliary muscle. All right. Okay. And the ciliary muscle has fibers that surround the lens and they contract and they make the lens more convex to bend light and look closer or they can uh, stretch the lens and make it flatter where we can look further distances away. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. If I think of a camera, uh, like with a zoom lens, you know, you turn it and it zooms out and then you turn it back and it zooms back in. Oh, yep. That's, okay. that's right. So um, so let me ask you this. Is that a voluntary function or an involuntary function? In other words, that's, does your brain say, I need to accommodate my lens? And it, it's completely involuntary. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so is that an intelligent function? Absolutely. It's not yes. an educated function, is no. it? But when we, we don't even think, okay, I need to focus my eyes and look at a, uh, you know, when you're, say if you're shooting a shotgun or something like that. Okay. Man, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, that you can focus on that notch and the, the, uh, what is it? The, the crosshair? The crosshair, yeah. yeah. And you can line it up with a moving object. It really is. And then you pull a trigger. So educated intelligence uh, would be, hey, I want to do this. I want to look at this. So then the innate intelligence, the part of our body that... <laughs> is amazing it's a force that coordinates everything together just makes everything work so we can look at things close up and far away yeah so that's a ciliary muscle we haven't hit the bicep yet though no okay so there's other muscles that attach to the sphere the eye sphere okay and 
um, what they do is they manipulate the positioning of the eye. So I can look, I can have my, my head turned towards you, but I can look out of the corner of my eye. Okay. Okay. So there's six muscles that attach to the sphere and they're back behind your eye. And, um, those muscles. So, okay, Aaron, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a command here. Okay. Uh, without moving your head, look over to that picture on the wall. All right. Was that a voluntary function? That was voluntary. Exactly. Yeah. So your eyes can move to the right or to the left, up, down, diagonally, you name it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Do you think those eye muscles um, need to have a sensitive nerve supply to control and coordinate that motion? Absolutely. More so than a bicep muscle? Yes, sir. Yeah, I would think so. You are 100% right. Yeah. So we talk about sensitivity of muscles. In other words, these muscles in your eye are so sensitive that you have one nerve per muscle fiber. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we're talking millions of nerves to innervate all these muscles. And that's the sensitivity. Okay. So let's compare and contrast here. All right. Functions. Okay. The eye is a special sensory muscle, right? Yeah. It's for looking at your surroundings. Um, The special sensory part is, you know, focusing. It's moving the eyes and so forth. But uh, if we were to compare that to a gluteus maximus muscle, Mm -hmm. is there a difference? Yes. I would think so anyway. We know there is a difference anatomically, structurally, the way things look. So the gluteus maximus is not going to have to have, it's going to have to fire with great intensity because that's what we stand off of. That's what we accelerate and jump off of. Mm -hmm. So they're two completely different muscles, um, but they're all very important. So what else can we talk about? Oh, there's these muscles at the base of your skull. You know, when you put your hand behind your head, there's, there's uh, very tiny muscles back there. Um, I'm not going to give you their names. One, is, one I will give you its name. It's called the rectus capitis posticus major. <laughs> I kind of yes. wish you hadn't given me that I name. I know, it's confusing. <laughs> it is. But this muscle right here, is very similar to those muscles in your eye that has the one-to-one ratio of muscle muscle fiber to nerve ratio okay. because there's there's about six muscles back there that are very, very, very tiny. I mean, they're like little tiny rubber bands. Um, they're critical because these muscles help position your head to the horizon. Okay. Okay. So you might say, well, how does that happen? Well, you got your eyes. Yes. Okay. So you're looking straight ahead so you can visualize the horizon. How are you going to adjust the skull on top of your neck? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I turn my head this way or do this. There's automatic things that take place with these muscles. And so these muscles are not necessarily for motion, but they're for position sense. Okay. So they actually, there's tension measuring um, organs in these muscles enters position measuring organs in these muscles. And when the head moves one way, it sends a signal. These muscles send a signal to the motion center of the brain and the brain compares it to 
where the person wants their head to be. Okay. Okay. But these muscles are under constant tension or being stressed and continuously when we do what? Look down at our devices. That's right. Okay. So those position sensors start going nuts. They send stress signals to the brain and we get these headaches in the back. They go into spasm and we get these suboccipital, suboccipital neuralgia, things like that. Um, but those muscles are there for delicate sensory information about where the skull is in relation to the neck. And then it ties in with your eyes and your gaze. All that sounds so important. Yeah. So do you think any of this requires any type of a coordinative effort? Not on my part. No. Yeah. (laughs) But it's that, it's that energy that we have that lives inside of us. It's that energy that God breathed into our nostrils. The power that creates body can heal the body. Um, it's that force that continues to coordinate matter and intelligence together to bring about our ability to adapt, our ability to change, our ability to do what we want to. Okay. Okay. So um, what else are we going to talk about? Oh, let's talk about our chewing muscles. Okay. Those are good ones. Oh, yeah. I like them. <laughs> I've got very strong chewing muscles because uh-huh, I, yeah. I work out a lot. <laughs> you chew on the fat a lot, don't you? Yeah. So... So, I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about that, we might as well talk about, you know, let's just pretend we're at a cookout. Oh, okay. And uh, they, I got, like some, this they got some ribeyes on the grill. <laughs> they got a big old juicy salad with avocados. <laughs> they got a big, is there baked potatoes? We got some baked potatoes, <laughs> some butter and sour cream. What time am I supposed to be? Th- exactly. Oh, wait, we're imagining. Okay. So, all right. So you're, you're already thinking about this right now. So your body, when it sees food, it starts to prepare itself for a meal okay and so we have sensory signals being sent from our brain to our glands our salivary glands the salivary glands start to secrete uh, digestive uh, enzymes like amylase that's for fat um, protease is for protein and there's another one I can't remember the name but it's for carbohydrates okay? all right and so that signal gets sent. Not only that, um, there's a couple of hormones. There's uh, there's gastrin. It's a hormone that's secreted by the brain, by the hypothalamus. Because guess what? Our senses, we smelled and we saw the food and we prepared to come to this place and meet. So we're anticipating all this. Right. So when we even got in our car... To take the trip, we're thinking about food. Yes. All right, so we're anticipating all this <laughs> I stuff. tend to think about food all the time yes. anyway. <laughs> and right now, I'm salivating right now <laughs> yeah. for no reason. Well, we're talking about. So, you know, we got our we got our voluntary brain kicking in. We've got our innate brain, automatic brain kicking in. And next thing you know, we're salivating. And then we say the prayer. And of course, well, you go ahead. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll just wait here. Yeah, I'll wait here. <laughs> you are superior to me, so you can go ahead and eat. You know, women and children eat first. And you're like, yeah, when did that flip? Back, yeah. back in the old days, children had to wait for the adult state. Now you got to let the kids go first. Yeah. That's let, not fair. Let them get their trophies. See, when I was a kid, yeah. I had to wait. Now I'm an adult. I got to wait. We got the double whammy, didn't we? <laughs> so anyhow, um, you know, you're waiting and then all of a sudden, you have a choice. What steak do I get? Mm-hmm. 
what salad dressing do I use? Do I want dessert? Yes. No, that's not. <laughs> that's just your lifestyle choices kicking in, what you want at the moment. Then you realize, oh, you know what? I've got diabetes or I've got, I've got issues. I ate too much the other day. I need to back off. That's your mind talking to you, okay? While you're trying to deal with all these stimuli and the salivation is coming in, your brain is, is getting ready. It's, it's secreting something called gastrin. And gastrin is a hormone that stimulates your GI tract. So your GI tract starts to secrete um, mucus. It starts to secrete hydrochloric acid. Um, and it's preparing the stomach and the, the GI tract to bring food. So you get your food. You sit down. And uh, you look at the food and it's like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to have to cut this up. Yeah. So you're sitting there with plastic, I don't know, plastic <laughs> Usually, fork yes. and a knife. And you have to use incredible dexterity with your hands and your fingers. And you're like starving to death. And you're trying to rip this thing apart and eat it and not look like a you know, social misfit. You know, right? Right. Oh, but you got to put butter and sour cream on your potato. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to cut it up and get ready. I like to get stuff ready and then just eat. You got your salad, you know. So all these things going on at the same time that require tremendous coordination, balance, and harmony from all these cells. And we just think of our body as being stupid. It doesn't know what it's doing. Hey, let's, you know, we got this issue. We're having heartburn. Let's just uh, shut that down and take a take an antacid. Oh, that scares me now. So, so, so guess what? Our body's actually producing acid to prepare it to digest food. Mm-hmm. All right. So next thing we do is, we take a scoop of, uh, oh, what do you want to grab? You want steak or you want baked potato? I'm going to start with the baked potato. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. So you got this you got this baked potato loaded up with sour cream and butter. It's cut. You got the sea salt on top of that thing. Uh-huh. It's, it's looking moist and steamy uh-huh. and just ready to eat. Okay. So you, you take a piece out of it. And you don't even have to, you barely have to look to see where that thing's going. No, you just I open don't. your pie hole. <laughs> it's... I've and, had so much practice, yeah. I, can, I can eat with my eyes closed. Yeah. It's a memory, you know, like Larry Bird shoots a free throw. Yes. You do it with your eyes closed. So you just get that machine going. You start cranking it, okay? So what happens next? We got another set of muscles. We got the tongue. The tongue, man, the tongue can help you talk. Absolutely. You got to have it. You can't talk exactly. about it. Yeah. The tongue is made of all muscles, all muscles. And so, not only that, it's got taste buds. It's got taste buds for salt. It's got taste buds for sour, for sweet, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so, our tongue knows what's coming. Yeah. Our brain knows what's coming. And all that saliva. And you can chew. You got a chew counter in your brain that counts how many times you chew. Really? Yeah. And so, it's preparing a... Now, this is kind of weird. But, you know, when you're chewing... Your tongue just stays right in there and manipulates that food into yeah. what we call a nice little ball. It's called a bolus. It's 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 like a little machine. Yeah, and I'm just drooling right now <laughs> yeah. thinking about that that potato. And so you're chewing on it. You know, you feel the you've got the skin. I know I eat the skin. I do too. All right, the skin has got the fiber in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to feed your bacteria. Okay, the potato itself is got a lot of vitamins and nutrients in it, and it, it'll it'll make your blood sugar go up a good bit. So you chew it, 
and you got it into this little ball here and you're getting ready to swallow. The swallowing is a whole nother set of muscles. Now the swallowing is volunteer, okay? So there's a little thing called an epiglottis um, that covers your air tube. I mean, how do you know to cover that air, air pipe? I've never thought about it. You got two pipes. You got the air pipe. That's where your nose and your, your airway come together. That's the, well, the nasal pharynx is your nose and the oral pharynx is your throat. Then you got the esophagus. So what happens when you automatically swallow is there's a thing called the, uh, oh, there's a flap of skin that, that automatically lifts and covers that airway. I have never thought about that. My God is so good. And the nose, yes. What, what if we had to think about doing that every time we swallowed? <laughs> You're right. So we got two parts of the brain. We got the educated part, the conscious part. Yeah. You know, and then we got the unconscious part, the part that just controls everything for us. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we swallow and, you know, there's a cranial nerve. That's a brain process, but it's voluntary. Swallowing is voluntary, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we swallow and the esophagus is like a tube. It's got muscle fibers as well. And the first one third of your esophagus is voluntary. Okay. Okay. Then as we go further down, the middle part of it is mixed. Part of it's voluntary, part of it's involuntary. And then the lower third of it is all voluntary or all involuntary. Your autonomic nervous system controls that. Okay. Then you got a little sphincter at the bottom of it. It's mm -hmm. called the, the cardiac sphincter because it's by your heart. And that thing needs to know when to open and close. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it does. You've ever heard of reflux or GERD? Yes. Gastroesophageal reflux disease? Mm -hmm. You don't have to have that if everything's working and coordinated and in harmony. So you, that little cardiac sphincter opens up, you swallow, it finishes, and peristalsis takes place. You ever seen a snake move in its muscles? Oh, gosh, yes. It's almost out. like a tube, basically. It's, it's like an esophagus. But it, it, it propels that food down, and then it shuts so you're ready for more food, more mm. chewing, more salivary glands working, more swallowing. And so when that food gets down into your, your stomach, you already have hydrochloric acid there. Um, you already have enzymes and mucus there, okay? Your food, food should stay in your stomach for about 30 to 45 minutes, okay? All right. Especially if everything's working. Now, if you have good acid, which is produced by your brain and the chief cells in your belly, and enzymes and mucus, which are produced by your parietal cells, your stomach will develop what we call motility. It'll start contracting and churning and mixing all this up. Okay? So you got this acid that's at like a... I mean, you could, you could uh, digest steel in that stomach. It's that powerful. Hydrochloric wow. acid, yeah. But it's necessary to digest protein. Enzymes are necessary to digest starch, okay? And so what happens is your food, your protein should be digested. Your carbohydrates should start digesting. And when that's ready, there's a, another sphincter at the bottom. It's called the pyloric sphincter. It's at the bottom of the stomach, okay? Okay, that's the exit. Right. Yep. And it opens up and it empties into the first section of the small intestine. All right. The most common place to have an ulcer is at, is at this first section of the small intestine. Now, why is that? Well, because 
the stomach is putting in acetic contents that are extremely acetic. That if they were on your skin outside, it'd put a hole in you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, which I'm not talking about the specialized skin that's in your stomach lining. The body produces specialized skin. It lasts for three to four days. It just turns over, turns over, turns over, turns over. You know, it's really yeah. important to keep that, that lining good because it secretes mucus and all that. So, so it goes from the pyloric sphincter into the first section of the small intestine. Now, there's a little sphincter called the sphincter of Adi. That's where the the pancreas, pancreas, did I say pancreas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to pronounce these words. I'm sorry. It's where the, the, the common bile duct comes together. The okay. liver, the pancreas, and the gallbladder. They all meet at this sphincter of Adi. I don't know why it's called Adi, O-D-D-I. That's weird. All right. But these organs secrete bile altogether. They secrete bicarbonate. Bicarbonate is like baking soda. It's a buffer. And it secretes bile. Bile and pancreatic enzymes. That is being secreted in there at that first section, that small intestine, and it's more alkaline. Are you getting where I'm coming Mm -hmm. from now? So if we have high acid and high alkaline coming together, it's going to neutralize things, right? Yes. What happens if there's a block or the the gallbladder's not working good or the the bile duct is blocked? Uh, What happens? Well, then it's not going to work right because something's not getting into the mixture. Right, and you're not going to get that buffer in there. And guess what? You got acetic stuff dumping into that first section of your okay, that small makes intestine. Sense. That's called the duodenum. It's it's the first curvature of the duodenum. When you don't have those secretions coming in from the pancreas and the gallbladder and the liver, that's where you get an ulcer. Most commonplace. Okay. It's good so, to know. It is good to know. And that so, makes sense. Right. So you want to eat healthy for that part to work. Okay. All right. So then what happens is your body continues to digest. This is the first section of the duodenum, like the carbohydrates and so forth. And <clears throat> this is all normal. This is healthy stuff. Is any of this under voluntary control? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, half the things you've mentioned, I've more than half, I've never even heard of. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm hoping it's not too nerdy or anything. <laughs> There's so, nothing wrong with being so, nerdy. So let me ask you this. Let's just think intelligence. Let's think common sense. Should you be drinking a ton of fluids? Let's just say you, when you go to the, when you're hydrated before you eat, things should work out good. You've got plenty of water, so your body will secrete the water and the okay. bicarbonate and the and the bile and the enzymes and all this stuff. Uh, we call it like chyme. It's a, so. Should you just be pouring tons of ice cold water down your gullet while you're trying to digest your food? I, no. What do we all do? We we do that very thing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of smart, intelligent people do that, right? Yeah. That's a voluntary function. That's a choice that we make. So one of the worst things you can do to slow down a, a chemical reaction, which, which we have multiple chemical reactions taking place. We're digesting proteins, which requires acid. We're digesting carbohydrates, which requires enzymes. We're digesting fat, which requires a different kind of enzyme, lipase, bile that comes from your gallbladder. Okay, so these are three major chemical reactions that are going on in our bodies right now to help us digest, absorb, and assimilate and grow and repair our bodies. You're throwing ice cold beverage on top of that really 
and you're just dumping it in your stomach. Wow. On all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who would never even open his drink until he was through completely eating. Well, see, I, that's why I don't drink a lot of uh, fluids when I eat. And I, you don't have to, but that's just that's just a thought. It's an idea. This is an intelligent process that's taking place. How can I best help this intelligent process? How about if I throw some beer on top of that? I don't know what that's going to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a drinker or anything, <laughs> I'm not either. but you can throw beer on that. How about if you just drank a Coke? Well, you got acid in there. <laughs> yeah. Enough to clean hey, a screwdriver. How I know, I know. Let's just shut down all those enzymes and all that acid, and let's take a proton pump inhibitor. I don't even know what that means. Oh, it's a new <laughs> phrase. It's an antacid. That's all it is. It's an antacid. Okay. I'm not taking an antacid. I'm taking a proton pump inhibitor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Whoa, where can I get some of that? Does that please? go in the engine or is that part of the... I don't know. <laughs> it's a proton pump. It reduces positive hydrogen ions <laughs> and it reduces the acidity. So if you're reducing the acidity and you're weakening your digestion, is that food going to be digested? Not properly. No, Okay. Sir. So it's going to stay in your stomach for a long time. Oh. And what's going to happen? Well, when it digests like it should, opportunistic bacteria come in there, and they also assist in a breakdown of this food, and they produce vitamins and minerals. Okay. called the intrinsic factor. B vitamins are produced by this bacteria. It's the intrinsic factor. Okay. But if you're not digesting your food, if your food is taking a long time to digest, you're constipated. Yeah. Or you're severely constipated and you have diarrhea. Digestion is a north to south process, right? The north part, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's the brain, right? Yes. Okay. I'll start there. So we're going into the stomach. We're going into the small intestine. But if we don't have the stuff to digest it because we're taking in acids, because we're not healthy, because we're eating, making poor choices, then that food's going to stick around for a while. So if you have a party and you just keep that party going... You're going to get more guests, aren't you? Yeah. And you're going to get something called dysbiosis. What that is is you have bacteria that we all have bad bacteria. We have cancer cells, all kinds of bad stuff in us. That stuff's going to come in there. Uh Uh-oh. And it's going to grow. It's going to reproduce on a routine basis if that's how you eat your food and you digest your food. Now, Now, get this. All these processes are under the direct control of the nervous system. The nervous system is made of your brain and spinal cord. Your spinal cord is housed by 24 movable bones in your spine. If you have a bone that's stuck and it's not moving, and that nerve goes to your stomach, your gallbladder, your liver, it's going to affect all those processes. So that is why we want to work on the nervous system as chiropractors, not to just get rid of your back pain, but to make everything coordinate, to make everything more harmonious to remove any potential interference from the nervous system that could block any process that your body needs to do to grow, to live, to adapt, and to be healthy. So, all right, so we're into the small intestine. So basically the function of the small intestine is to absorb this food after it's been broken down into its least common denominators. So we got macronutrients, which would be your fats, your proteins, and your carbohydrates, your starches. They get broken down to the least common denominator, like amino acids, uh, uh, monosaccharides like glucose, things like that. And then your uh, 
your triglycerides. All right. So what happens then is there's a backup system. There's a hepatic portal system. All this food, before it goes to your body, has to first go to your liver. Your liver detoxifies it. And it makes it more bio-friendly for your body so it doesn't harm it. It's a backup system. Okay. All right. So the liver is so responsible for so many things. And so what it does is it says, okay, this is cool, you know, and we're going to send it back into the small intestine. And it goes back in the small intestine. I mean, I skipped a ton of things, but guess what? If you're on cholesterol medication, it destroys your liver. It shuts down your liver. So how's digestion going to be affected? Uh, terribly. It's going to shut down all the enzymes in your liver, okay? Um, if you have a fatty liver, that's what cholesterol medications do. It shuts down digestion. It just gets in there and takes control of everything with your liver. So um, we then ended up, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the hepatic portal system, how all this food that gets broken down and into the stomach goes into the small intestine. The small intestine has a, a route that goes to the liver, and the liver sends it back to the GI tract, and it says, hey, everything's cool, into the small intestine. And then absorption can take place. Absorption is a whole nother ball ballgame. Oh, and uh, you know we can talk about that on our next podcast if you want to, or we can continue. Let's talk about that next week okay. because, and I'll tell you, Doctor Banning, you, every time we finish a podcast, you're like, I don't like it. I don't like it. This one has been so educational and eye opening to me because the whole time you were talking, my mind was going over the miracle that is us that God has made. The miracle that is our body, because you just described what happens when we eat a meal. When I eat a meal, the only thing I'm thinking about in my brain is how good this meal is. Fitness inside of my (laughs) belly. I'm thinking about my fitness. Getting to my belly. And here's the thing. You also mentioned, for example, enzymes and enzymes. I've taken enzyme capsules before, and I know what they do. I know what they are. I've also taken a pill that my doctor prescribed for me that I have no idea what it does. I have no idea what it controls, what it shuts down. That bothers me. It bothers the educated portion of your brain? It does because I'm trusting this man or woman. I'm trusting this professional. If I had acid reflux, they're going to give me a pill to take care of that symptom. See, now, you know what you're talking about? What? You're talking about two different philosophies. Exactly. If you're pursuing health and a holistic lifestyle, a medication is not in that mind frame. A medication is going after a lagging indicator, which would be, I have a symptom. Can we cover it up with a pill? Yes. Okay. And that's that's the mindset I had before coming to see you. But after you adjusted me and my body began to heal itself naturally and things started working properly that's when life really got well and the only the only capsules you've ever given me or 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 recommended to me you explain what they do you tell me what this is going to do well all there's millions of things obviously we didn't even talk about we don't even know about this is just vaguely what we know but this is the problem that I run into, and I've shared this before. 
I get people into the office that are not digesting food. They're not absorbing food. Their gallbladders have been cut out. Their livers aren't working. They're taking cholesterol medication. They're taking all these poisonous toxin, toxic medications. And not only that, they're, they're making poor, poor choices, lifestyle choices. And so this beautiful thing that God created for us to eat, enjoy food, to digest, absorb, assimilate, grow, repair, and adapt in our environment and, and maintain a level of homeostasis and be healthy is being short-circuited. And that's not right. Right. And so, you know, for me, it's a philosophy. It's a, it's a mindset that the body is intelligent. There's a purpose for everything in the body. And to look at the body when you develop a symptom as the body is intelligent, it's not developing this for no reason. Every symptom, every effect has a cause. Our goal is to find the cause and correct it. Now, if that cause has been there for a long time, you've had indigestion for a long time, you've been making bad or poor lifestyle choices for a long time, it's going to be a big problem. You're going to have layers of symptoms, layers of dysfunction, and all your body's been trying to do intelligently is just to adapt to what has been given. Yeah. It's playing the cards that it's been given. And so there's a saying, it's uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland says this, but uh, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle choices fire it. How about that? That's yeah, good. So, that yeah. mean, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good thought. Okay, if you have any questions about anything we've covered on this or any episode, please go to uh, whitehousechiropractic.com. There's a contact sheet there you can fill out. Uh, we would appreciate it if you'd rate us or review us on your favorite podcasting app. And if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, why not stop by and see Dr. Banning and his staff? Uh, White House Chiropractic and Health are located at 147 Raymond Hirsch Parkway in White House, Tennessee. Uh, give us a call at area code 615-672-7878, and we can set you up on an appointment, or we can answer questions. Um, this this has been a really good episode, Dr. Banning. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this one, and, and also a little bit hungry. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> yeah. I've been drooling myself. I might go home and get something to eat. Might, maybe, hey, let's go to Burger King and get a Whopper. <laughs> Let's not. Supersize me. Burger King hit the news this week. They had their joking. own happy meals. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. So give us a call once again, uh, 615-672-7878. Thanks for listening. We will see you next episode.